Welcome to Lame Stream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. If you, dear listener, like this show, you can rate it, you can review it, you can subscribe it. You can subscribe it. You can, you can subscribe, you can subscribe it? to it. That's true. I mean, <laughs> uh, I think you can. I think you subs- you can subscribe it. Just ask for consent first, right? Like, sure. I think that's. I think that's fine. <laughs> Express written consent. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, listen, click all the buttons. That's what we're asking you to do. Click all the buttons. Follow all the accounts. Go to the YouTube. Listen to the shows. Like all that stuff. Just click all of the buttons. That's what we're asking you to do here. Uh, on the show across all of the accounts and make sure you sign up for what Steve Cavendish at the Nashville banner, the Nashville banner. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, go to NashvilleBanner.com If you uh, right there on the front page of that site, uh, there is a thing called the banner first look newsletter. And uh, our first story is out today. Wow. How about that out on Thursday? Well, out on Friday, out I mean, on Friday. Oh yeah. Good job. Yeah, see, I was actually syncing <laughs> up with when people are going to be listening to this, not when we are recording it. And clearly we talked about this before the show. Uh, <laughs> all right. Coming up on the show today, Keith Parrish. Uh, he is a Nashvillian, a diehard NBA basketball fan, a huge Grizzlies fan. And this is a guy who has launched a an award-winning, very successful, very popular NBA national podcast uh, many, many years ago, kind of before podcasts were cool. And it, it it's his his arc and trajectory is fascinating. How he got into it is fascinating. The he has some insight on the rivalry between the city of Memphis and the city of Nashville, which has always been completely bizarre to me and to you. Although you don't mind poking the uh, poking the bear a little bit on the on that rivalry. Uh, a lot about the differences between the NBA, the players, the strategies, and the diff- and, and the NFL and the strategies of, of how an NFL league grows. So uh, really interesting conversation with the host of. Fast Break Breakfast. You have to slow it down. Fast Break Breakfast, an award-winning podcast. Keith Parrish and a couple of his buddies. He is now a member of Grind City Media affiliate, with which is their sort of official team content production staff there. Uh, and we'll have a great conversation with him coming up in just a few minutes. Ratings and recommendations a little bit later on as well. However, Steve but, Cavendish. But first, Braden Gall, Lamestream is brought to you by the wonderful and amazing and spectacular and very real people of Jasper's Deb Paquette does an amazing menu. Megan Williams does an amazing dessert menu and there's parking that they don't charge you for. I don't know if we've told anybody that you don't, you don't have to pay. You don't have to pay for that. Always free. Also free though. And this is underrated. We've talked a lot about the game room. We have not mentioned. I don't believe that it is also free. Every single game in the game room is free. They got arcade games. They got air hockey games, which you cheat at. They've got Papa Shot. They've got Jenga. They've got, uh, uh, you know, Ski Ball, which is one of my favorites from my childhood. Shuffleboard. All of it's free. All of it. You don't. You don't have to come up with quarters to feed a meter for parking, and you don't have to come up with quarters to feed the Papa Shot and the no. air hockey table. It's no. it's tr- it's tremendous. So go to Jasper's. Great drink specials for Preds games. The Grab a Go Market. Great place for lunch. Great place for happy hour. It's a great place for all the things. Uh, in particular, Predators hockey games, as they only have uh, 13 left to go, 12 left to go, <laughs> depending on when you're listening to this, uh, um, uh, left in the season, and they are fighting for a playoff spot. So go to Jaspers, everybody. All right. So uh, quickly here, before we get to, to Keith, any, anything you'd like to add from our conversation with him? I, I find his growth and success and, and the model with which he developed a national product in a space that normally doesn't you know that that the podcast world is generally a niche world and he found a lot of success on a national platform uh, eight nine years ago 
I'm always interested when people can keep a podcast going for that long because you can build audience like he, they built over time. You know, it just it, it takes a while. You have for and especially and, and as you mentioned this in this kind of increasingly crowded landscape, you know, finding the right pods that 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 appeal to you is harder and harder. And, you know, with that sort of long tail of, of, of years of doing it, they've built this nice audience, but you know, they've been doing it a while. And, uh, and, and I think, well, he'll get it, he'll get into this, but it, it is, it is truly amazing that they've kind of built this national audience from just some guys uh, who are NBA fans talking, you know, talking in their, yep. you know, talking yep. in, in, in their own houses. So, yeah. And I'll be honest here, like our college football podcast for Athlon Sports, which is a national podcast, started the same year, 2014. So we've been doing that one for eight years. We had the help of a large national brand to attach a name to it that helped us grow that audience. They just did it out of their houses. And so I think it's, it's really amazing what they've done. Uh, it's a great conversation. Ratings and recommendations coming up a little bit later on in the show, but, we, but without any more from us, here was our conversation with Fast Break Breakfast host, Keith Parrish. Keith, welcome to the show, man. Thank you for giving us so much of your time. We appreciate having you today, man. Yeah, happy to be here. Uh, so what'd you have for breakfast today? Oh, on the spot, I've had nothing. I've had black coffee, just lots of it. What's, okay. a, what's a typical breakfast? What's a good breakfast? Well, a typical breakfast, so... We have conceded our children the battle of sugary cereals. So I have a four-year-old, uh-huh. a seven-year-old. And I listen, I blame a lot of things on the pandemic. This is one thing I blame on the pandemic. We got tired. We gave up. We're not giving our children healthy breakfasts anymore. So we've just been doing cereals constantly. So my usual breakfast is uh, leftover handfuls of dry cereal, be it a Lucky Charms <laughs> Be it uh, oh, so, so you're going like so you're not even doing like like that's honey, pathetic like honey nut Cheerios. So you're on no. you're on like full on Lucky Charms like actually. Like, so here's like the thing: all the sugar. I feel like like a lot of people. I'm finally getting back in control of my faculties, and we actually have right now Honey Nut Cheerios, and there's no more Lucky Charms. So like we're actually I think we're on the way back up. We used to have, we had a thing again. This was specifically pandemic related. We're saying hey, we have Pop Tarts Wednesdays. All right, Wednesdays you get pop tarts, <laughs> and we, they ate the last one this morning. We're recording on a Wednesday, and I'm like, I'm telling the, the kids as they're like sobbing. I'm like, listen, no more pop tarts. You guys are nuts on Wednesdays. Like, I'm <laughs> racking my brain now to wonder if I've ever had a blueberry. Blueberry's pretty solid. We're a brown. Su- I'm a brown sugar and cinnamon man. My kids are eating these insane ones, like Oreo pop tart or s'mores pop tart and i'm like listen we got to stop this like we, we gotta we gotta draw a line in the sand somewhere just to be like what a fresh fruit man i grew up on grape nuts that was my sweet cereal back so in my day I, I, I can't believe you i cannot believe you brought up grape nuts because kicks was like a treat for me and my family oh, like sure. it, oh, it was a huge sure. treat and what i can't tell what's more pathetic that you're just eating handfuls of dry cereal after yeah. them or that my children who are also about the same age, four and five. I've I've tried to give them Honey Nut Cheerios and they prefer regular Cheerios. I can't tell if that's oh, pathetic nice. or if that's no. great. I, that's I can't great. tell. Just means your kids are excellent. Okay. Yeah, listen, the breakfast thing, you know, we have the podcast Fast Break Breakfast. It's a gimmick. 
We liked the name. I'm not obsessed with breakfast, even though I've podcasted about it for years. Uh, you know, I, I'm not. I'm not sharing a secret here. Now like, that we I'm, spent I'm five not, minutes on breakfast, yeah. I mean, I'm glad we got to burn five minutes of content. That's what it's all about. But yeah, yeah you know. All right. Well, then let's let let's. So here, okay. Would you rather start on the advent and evolution of your podcast, or would you rather talk about? the last few games of the Memphis Grizzlies season and what's to come with John Morant's injury and the playoff run. What would you prefer oh, to talk about? Listen, it's your ship. You can guide I know, it. I just, know. You ask the questions. You want to ask me more questions about breakfast? We'll do it. I'll do waffles against French toast, against pancakes, whatever you want. You're, you're guiding the ship, right? And you tell me what I, what I, I need to say. I, I am a, I'm a, I'm waffles. Number one in the power ranking. <laughs> Pancakes, clearly number three in the power rankings for me. Uh, French toast in the middle, depending on if someone's serving it to me or if I'm making it myself. If I have to make it myself, there's no effing way I'm making French toast. I'm making exactly. waffles. But that's exactly. that, that's neither here nor there. All right. right. So Fast Break Breakfast is the name of the podcast. How long have you been doing it? How did you get the idea to do it? Why did you want to do it? Give us the ori- the give us the Marvel comic origination story of, of Fast Break Breakfast. The origin story of Fast Break Breakfast was... Um, I was obsessed with basketball and I spend every single night during the NBA season, just watching league pass. And um, my wife and I were having a baby. My, we were going to have our first child. I was a freelance musician and it, it there kind of came to this realization. I'm not a successful enough musician to work out childcare for my music career. Once this baby gets born. So that, so that was a big part of it. We're like, listen, it's not going to make any sense for me to go to a two hour gig and try to fight like, so we're like, listen, I'm, I, I want a different creative album. So I, I had a buddy, um, John Burr, who was also in like the Nashville music scene, who was also obsessed with basketball. And we batted around the idea before about creating a basketball podcast. And so when my son was due, let's say he was two months away from being born. I'm like, listen, the NBA season is starting. We should do this podcast thing we've been talking about. And John Great had a timing. buddy. Yeah. And so uh, John had a buddy. He's like, listen, we have this buddy. I have this buddy named Chuck. You want to meet Chuck? He also likes basketball. And so we just went and we met at a bar and we just kind of talked and met each other. And we're like, well, yeah, this is great. We came up with a name on the spot, um, like Fast Break Breakfast. That's, that's a great, I, I like it. It works. It's fun to look at. It's really hard to say, as it turns out, as most people find out. Um, it's a tongue twister. But we basically started it uh, eight years ago. Um, right before the NBA season, I think I uploaded the second episode from Vanderbilt Hospital in the uh, delivery room. <laughs> great. Hey, listen, great Wi-Fi at Vanderbilt Hospital. <laughs> I got to say that thing uploaded in a flash. I love it. Um, and so then it. we've been just been doing the like we've been doing the show ever since. And so I guess like the, the origin is I felt like I wanted a creative outlet. I, I, I was going to kind of be a stay at home dad and do some music work, but like I had the baby, it turned out I could do a podcast while holding a baby. And so that's how the show started. So it is award-winning. I will add uh, mm, yes. your podcast. It is award-winning. And, and what I'm curious about when you've decided like how, what was going to be the focus of the show? Because generally the more niche a podcast is, the more successful it is because you're trying to cultivate this really tight knit, communal mm-hmm. thing you guys are a nashville based nba podcast that covers the entire country yeah obviously now you will get to your relationship with with memphis and the grizzlies and john morant and all that other stuff but just out of curiosity when you decided to sit down and do it obviously eight years ago the space was very different so what was the strategy behind all right we're going to cover the whole league here's our style what, what were you guys talking about at that time 
our strategy was, uh, it wasn't like spelled out or written down, but we wanted to create a national NBA show that would be the type of thing that we wanted to listen to. And I felt like the landscape eight years ago was that show did not exist. There were not a ton of podcast options. It was essentially Bill Simmons. And then it was the starters, the basketball Jones, like those guys had their thing. And then everything else was like, none of these shows are any good. And also they all sound terrible. Like podcasts, just the gear you couldn't buy like cheap USB mics or whatever. Like everything it, sounded so bad. We were like, we could make in our minds. We felt we could make a show that would be as good as anything out there on a national stage. And we thought there was a big hole. And so like, I guess that was just the first goal make something that we thought sounded good. Cause we thought in our naivete, we thought we can do this better than other people. Um, is that, is it, that the professional <laughs> musician in you that cannot stand the sound, the, the sound of bad, uh, the bad sound on some podcasts? It's it's not like I am not a perfectionist by any stretch of the imagination. And honestly, like the technology side of music was like my downfall. Like I'm a piano player. I would rather go play an acoustic piano if they're like, listen, hey, can you sequence your keyboard? I'm like, man, that would take me forever. Like, you know, it's, that, that's a lot of work. So I don't know. Like, Steve, I'm not sure. But I definitely had a thing where I'm like, this audio quality is so far beyond the pale. I don't understand how anyone has listened to this. I still now, like I become more of a podcast snob than a music snob where I'm like, you're a national whoever show. Like, e like this is an ESPN funded show. Could you not mail this person a mic? Like this is a, this is a, <laughs> a Skype call. Like why, why aren't you, why are we talking into someone's phone? Um, so no, I don't think it was the, the music aspect of it. I think gave us access to the equipment. We had the gear, we had microphones, we had mixing boards, and then we could go ahead and make a show that we thought sounded better than all the other shows. But I don't know. I get, I still think it was just a cockiness where we're like, these shows are bad. Our show will be better. And so that's how we went into it. And then we heard our first couple of shows and we're like, oh, our show sounds kind of bad too. Uh, we need, we need, to, we need to switch some things around. So. I want to get to the to the most important question here right off the bat, which is the Nashville Memphis divide is real. Yes. And the there is a hurdle for some Nashville fans that they can't cheer for the Grizzlies because it's a Memphis team. How do people get over that? I don't know. I, my initial response to that is those people are weirdos, but I don't know. Maybe there are true actual grievances that have occurred between people in Nashville and Memphis. I understand the perspective. I mean, and, the and, Memphis that goes, perspective that goes both ways. Yeah, I understand the Memphis perspective more, but this is a thing where like this hadn't crossed my mind. I didn't know this existed. Like my friends, we just all loved the NBA and then when like the Grizzlies came to Memphis, we were just fired up that, hey, Tennessee has a has an NBA team. That seems really fun. And I guess I lived in my bubble. Like I never did sports talk or sports radio before this. I never thought about doing it. And so I didn't even know this thing existed essentially until we started the show. And then I got on social media and I had a Twitter account. And then I started talking about Grizzly stuff. And then I realized I got all this negative feedback from Memphis people. So like I initially felt it like coming just from Memphis and then I see it now where it's definitely a both way street and it feels like free social media engagement is to say something inflammatory <laughs> about like, you know what? Nashville has the best barbecue or whatever. And so I like, I am also just so uninterested in that portion of just sports 
world and I guess politics, everything, the entire antagonized people for clicks or engagement. I'm so far like that's not something that interests me. So the Nashville Memphis rivalry, it's real. It exists. I don't know the answer. I try to people who are mad about like from Memphis, they're mad about like what the state legislature is doing to their city. I'm trying to be like, don't you understand the people in Nashville are the ones who agree with you. We're the ones on your side when it comes to like <laughs> political things. And then as far as like the sports teams, like the, the weirdness over the Titans. All right. I understand that's weird, but like I didn't do it. It's, it's just sports. <laughs> if you want to go farther back to like Colonel Parker and Elvis and Memphis and Johnny Cash, I'm like, listen, guys, I can't get upset about these things. They don't affect me personally. I know that's maybe a, a life of privilege I've had to not be offended that Nashville claims it's the home of wherever, Music City, and Memphis has the great culture. For me, they're both awesome cities, and it's just sports, and we're having fun talking about sports. So I hope we can bridge that divide. I know with the, the growth of Nashville, there are a ton of Memphis transplants in Nashville. Like, we do these Grizzlies watch parties. We have this Grizzlies is Nashville Twitter and Facebook group. So the Memphis people are here. Also Nashville people like just cheer for the Grizzlies because it's fun. If you're in Nashville and have like a weird thing against Memphis, I don't, again, I don't know what's the hit. What is the history of that? Like what? Well, so, so, so here's, here's a good example of this. Uh, I used to be the editor of the Nashville scene, mm -hmm. the until about, I think it was about two years ago, the highest, uh, the, 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 post on the scene site that got the most clicks ever was a bullshit post that I wrote like six or seven years ago that was that had a had a terrible national uh, uh, food site ranking Nashville barbecue ahead of Memphis barbecue. Yeah, yeah, sure. And, and, so, and I, so actually, I, Keith, the answer is Steve. It's Steve's fault. It's Steve did it. It's I Steve's wrote, fault. I wrote this post knowing that it would antagonize a bunch of Memphis people yeah. and, then, and then sort of seeded it uh, on Twitter with a bunch of Memphis people, and it just blew up. There uh, you go. Because, because that, like, like, if you say something bad about Memphis barbecue, I mean, I think people are, I, I think people are like, constitutionally required to, to respond on Twitter. Yes. Um, but, but I mean, it's very real and it's, you know, some of it is stupid. I mean, a lot of it's stupid, but, uh, but some of it, it, some of it, people don't know the origins of it, but they, they continue to perpetuate it. I'm as guilty of this as anyone else, because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a Nashville guy uh, and I have fun with it. But, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter is, is like a, a lot of Nashville people just don't pay attention to the Grizzlies and they should. I mean, this is a really fun team to watch right now. Yeah, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly there. I mean, I was a Grizzlies fan when they weren't fun to watch, and now they're arguably the most exciting team in the NBA. They've had the second-best record in the NBA for basically the whole year now, and they have John Morant, one of the most popular stars. They play a very fun style of basketball. They're essentially like the college – they're the NBA version of the UNLV running Rebels – where it shouldn't work against professional athletes, but like they're a fast breaking team. They lead the NBA in blocks and steals and they just dunk all over everyone. And it's one of those things where like, I'm used to college teams running, you know, other schools out of the gym. I remember back like the early 2000s Auburn year where they had Chris Porter. And for some reason they were good for one season. That's like the Grizzlies <laughs> were like, you shouldn't be able to run and gun and fast break and blow teams out constantly in the NBA, but the Grizzlies are doing it. So yeah, if you like basketball, it's, it's again, I'll go back to the word weird to not watch this Grizzlies team over some perceived slight uh, between the two communities.
Well, and I, I find it, you know, you mentioned the two counties. It's like the, the, the county that is most like Shelby County in all of Tennessee out of 100 plus counties is Davidson County. The county that yeah. is most like Davidson County out of 100 counties in Tennessee is Shelby County. Now, there is a major difference with those counties relationships with their sports teams because Predators and Titans fans, maybe they're not all from Davidson County, but there's a very different dynamic between the Titans and their audience, the Preds and their audience and the Grizzlies and their audience and the Grizzlies. And I think there was a really great piece. I think it was in the undefeated, I I believe about sort of John Morant becoming of Memphis and becoming a person that is, you know, the way that that city ties into the Memphis Grizzlies culturally and like in this deeper way, I think there is something to be said about that, that there is a difference there between how Titans fans are tied to the Titans and because there's, it's a much deeper, more inherent sort of cultural connection, I think, with Memphis and the Grizzlies. I think that's probably true, and I wonder how much of that is just the actual sports, where individuals are a much bigger deal in the NBA against the Titans, where I've become, I used to be a diehard Titans fan, and I knew like every player on the roster, and just with aging and doing basketball podcasts constantly, I still watch all the Titans games, but like I couldn't name 20 Titans, you know, like I, I can name the skill position players. And then it's like, I see some linebacker got signed and I'm like, I don't remember that guy's name, you know, whatever. So like, it's just harder to learn the players as opposed to basketball where like, obviously they're not wearing helmets and then they become bigger social media stars. And so maybe that the fact that the NBA is more individual based and that then you can relate much closer to the players. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think of the, you know, like Eddie George has a great connection to the city and like we all know who he is, but it's just like e- even the best Titans players, it's hard to be like, I don't know. I- I'm like AJ Brown. What, how does he connect to, to Nashville? Like, what is he doing? I-, I don't I don't know the answer to that question. That might just be my own ignorance. Maybe he's doing a lot of stuff out there where you have John Morant, who has also purposely embraced the city. I also know that the Grizzlies marketing people, that's a big focus. And I don't know how much the, the Titans do that and how much the Predators do that of like, let's get a face of this player. Let's get them out there doing all these things. I know it's very important for the city to latch on to those players. It's weird for me again, as like someone who does all this Grizzly stuff and who lives in Nashville, whenever John Morant has this messaging of like, I'm for Memphis, I'm for this. I wish he would say more like I'm for the Grizzlies, you know, <laughs> because like we want to expand that fan base. And I know the team wants to expand their, their regional fan base. They're courting the fans in Nashville and the fans in Murfreesboro and the fans in Chattanooga and Knoxville and even little rock in Birmingham. Like they're trying to expand their base. You know, they want all fans to be able to, to watch the Grizzlies and cheer for the Grizzlies. So, you know, I, I don't know. I, I tend to think it's more of just basketball is maybe an easier sport to do that with, but yeah. Yeah, I don't I, like who's the sorry, who's the most like who's the most famous Titan? It's Der- Der- just Derrick Henry. Der- Derrick Henry, yeah. But like Derrick Henry. How, how many people know who Derrick Henry is? How uh, many basketball uh, fans you look like recognize him? Is he has he crossed uh, into lot. like oh well okay? I mean yeah. he's doing he's doing advertisements on national television broadcasts where he doesn't have to speak. There you go. Like yeah. that's a pretty big I mean Derek yeah. Derek Henry also rushed for two thousand yards. Yeah, and he's like, one of the best players in the NFL. Right. Yeah. He's he's kind of crossed over into this other I mean, I think. I think the AJ Brown, the AJ Brown thing is really interesting because he's very popular, one of the best receivers in in the league, but he's also one of 22 starters as opposed to Morant, who is one of five and and on just kind of a numbers basis. But also he is, I mean, Morant is clearly one of the best, you know, one of the best 
what, seven, eight players in the league. Yeah. I also look at AJ Brown, you know, 370,000 Instagram followers, which is like, that's nothing for an NBA player. You know, yeah. like an NBA, they're, they're millions. They're all in the millions. Lamestream Sports is brought to you by who? Steve Cavendish. Pregnant pause. Jaspers. <laughs> is a dramatic pause and a pregnant pause the same thing? Is there a negative or positive connotation to one or the other? What do you think? I don't know, but that one wasn't very dramatic. It was just long. So. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Pregnant. <laughs> I think pregnant pause. <laughs> uh, go to Jaspers, everybody. You guys know how much the parking is. It costs what, Steve? Nothing. Zero. How- how, how, much does, how much does the game room cost to use? They're fantastic even, and amazing game room. It costs even less. <laughs> I know scientists will tell you that there are numbers below zero, but not when it comes to money, I don't think. Like not the when only, it comes to exchanging only money. Less, only less than zero I know is the Robert Downey, Jamie Gertz film from about 1986. <laughs> wow. you're Occasionally, Steve, you really do show your age on the podcast. Well, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, what's funny is I was watching John Oliver over the weekend and he was, he did a whole thing on trucking and truckers. And like, there's sometimes where people come back and their paycheck is negative and they have to like pay the truckers. And I was like, wait a second, that doesn't sound right. You work for a week and then you have to pay them money. That, that seems that, you know what? Jaspers would never do that to you. If you come in and use their game room, they're not going to charge you. They're not going to charge you. In fact, I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that they'll pay you to do that, but they're not going to charge you. I know that for a fact. I mean, with the enjoyment that you get out of it, I mean, you you, you might as well be paying them. Just you should an, be paying them. Have an extra beer; they'll make you pay for that. Yeah, and, and then and then they'll appreciate your business. They'll appreciate the community support. They appreciate you listening to all the the four forty sports podcasts. And uh, you, you know what? You can you can use that couple bucks to have an extra beer. Or, you know, during a Preds game, for example, it's three dollars. Like it's a three dollar beer during a Preds game. There's only a few of them left. Ten dollar burger. Yeah, I mean that is the best deal in town. I think we've mentioned it before. So one, uh, <laughs> once, maybe twice. <laughs> uh, they really are like sort of the one stop shop for like all needs culinary and sports. Really, like if you want to go after work on a weeknight to watch a Preds game, they got a great happy hour for you. You're not going to pay for parking. If you want to go for a brunch on a Sunday and watch maybe I don't know a, a tiny little, you know, this tiny little golf tournament this weekend, you can go do that and and have a nice brunch and. You know, I don't know if they've got egg salad sandwich on the menu, but, uh, you know, if Deb was going to do that, it would probably be spectacular. And they got the grab and go market. If you don't have a lot of time, you can just pop in and grab something and go that that's been made by the, the staff there. They got so you all can kinds grab of cool and go. Yeah, that's not like the pie and eat it. That's not like the cake and eat it, too. Right. Like where right. your brain, your, where your brain hurts. Just trying to think about what it means. Right. You just grab it and you go. And that's all you need to know. How about that? Yeah. All of this is. Only what you would expect from the next evolution of the sports bar. 1,000%. Where should people go, Steve? Jaspers. I mean, the NBA is is very much an Instagram league. I mean, like if you follow something like like House of Highlights, which, you know, grew on, you know, grew a huge audience based off of NBA highlights. Yes. Well, and what's interesting, and it's not even just like, for, first of all, John Morant's also from a college, like down the road from Memphis yeah. in theory. Yeah. So that also gives him like a truer, deeper connection to the, to the community and the audience and the, the fans, but also like literal proximity. 
Like literal <laughs> proximity, you can get courtside seats at an NBA game and be yes. you can catch a basketball that's that's flying astray. Whereas in the NFL, you are so inaccessible, not only mm-hmm. in the game, but sort of around the game. The NFL is this huge thing. Why, why is it that? And I guess this is sort of a, the same question, but you, you mentioned, you know, 400,000 followers on Instagram versus 3 million or whatever. Like, wh- what is, is it the NBA's purposeful intent to push that stuff? Is it just that dunks literally and big plays are more frequent and you can kind of, there's so many games that there's more content there to pull that stuff and become like a highlight driven league. Uh, like what, what is the, the, the magic sauce in there? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think the NBA did make a conscious decision to push social media marketing and viral marketing and to not like, I know the NFL and the Major League Baseball, they were like doing copyright claims on people. you just posting highlights or like filming your TV, which I like, I do that. Like I literally built my Twitter following from just filming Grizzlies highlights on my phone and posting them immediately. And it's like, it's a weird thing where the NBA was like, great. Just do it. We don't care. Just share <laughs> these clips. Just share as many clips as you want. And they have embraced like Instagram. And maybe it is like a five second clip of a dunk is just more exciting than like I'm trying to think of like the well, there's but there's more. Like how many five second clips of John Morant are there versus how right. many five second clips of AJ Brown are there? You only play that's, six, so yeah, yeah. You only play yeah. 16 games. That's John Morant, true. John Morant does it every single night. Like it's not. Yeah, a, that's that's the wild like, thing where John Morant has a jaw dropping play ten times a game. Where it's it's any football team is hard to put together. Like your your end of year highlight package might be like, hey, here's here's the twenty best plays. Like oh, those were those were awesome. But also, like I, I saw that in the NBA in the last week type thing. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of three, a lot of three yard gains for Derrick Henry. On That's top, right. On top of the seventy six yard touchdown run. Now, That's let right. Me, let me go back to the 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 marketing strategy for Memphis because for those that don't know, Grind City Media is sort of the arm of of the Memphis Grizzlies that produces all this great content. You are a part of that community uh, and a part of that. How how has Memphis's the organization the Grizzlies? How has their focus on growing the audience outside of Memphis, like you just talked about, how has that evolved over the last few years? Like you mentioned the push, right, that they're making to try to grow the audience. How has that come about? How quickly? How long has that been happening? How has that changed? I don't know. I mean, I can't I can't answer your question because I, I don't have the inside knowledge. I'm like we're affiliated with Grind City Media. Our first contact officially with the Grizzlies was. I want to say five or six years ago, there were these watch parties in Nashville that were going on. And eventually kind of as a strategy of ours at fast break breakfast, we were like, these people are Grizzlies fans. They would probably like our show. We should I don't take them over. Like we should take this over and try to get involved with this. And then once we did that, we got in contact with the marketing people at the Grizzlies who then provided us prizes to do the thing. And that's how we started that relationship with the Grizzlies. But I mean, I don't know like what their growth has been. I don't know what their plan was before then I've provided feedback to them sometimes. Like you guys had a Memphis Grizzlies thing at a Titans preseason game, you know, like eight years ago or something. And I didn't know about it. And like, if I didn't know about it, I assume someone in the top percentile of NBA consumers in Nashville, you might need to change something about how you were advertising. I'm not saying I'm the, every person I'm not listening again, maybe they're advertising on sports radio. Like I'm not a big consumer of like a lot of maybe regular sports content. So, but, but anyway, so like they're there, I know they've been working on it. I know just from our interactions with, uh, they do these Grizzlies caravans 
in the offseason where they bring players around. I'm not going to say they drafted Wade Baldwin hoping it would uh, attract a national market. That had nothing to do with it. But then once they drafted Wade Baldwin, like they brought him here to do some basketball camps. And so I know they sure. do these things. I've only been aware of them of like the past five or six years since I've actually been kind of a little bit involved with it. So it's hard for me to know exactly what the growth of that has been and what their strategy has been. Yeah. How, how much Memphis Grizzlies specific content did you have in your very first show versus how much do you have in this week's show? Uh, that's a really good question. So when we started the show, the Grizzlies were pretty good. It was still in the grit grind era. And so they, they like, they had some great runs, you know, they made it to the, the conference finals. They went toe to toe with the warriors and the warriors first title season. We would do a fair bit, but it's still maybe at the most, it was like 15% of a show. We, we'd have a thing called a Grizzlies epilogue where we're like, listen, we really need to nerd out about the Grizzlies. And we did that kind of frequently, but then like as the podcast market evolved and like, I want to say, so we started the show eight years ago. After a few years, I felt like we, we had made a good show. We were getting kind of a lot of listeners that like we thought like, hey, we, we've attracted a pretty good audience. But then it seemed like you could see the splintering of like, it's getting more and more niche. Like everyone just has to have their own thing. Also, other companies were like, we should create podcasts and <laughs> ex-athletes ex specifically, where it's like every ex-NBA player has their own podcast. So it's gotten tougher and tougher. And so- I started a Grizzlies podcast, a Grizzlies specific podcast three years ago, and then have started doing that. And so like, obviously that show is incredibly all about the Grizzlies. I'd say our fast break breakfast show that we put out on Tuesday morning had very little Grizzlies content, despite the fact that they're really, really good and really, really fun to talk about. So yeah, I would say the first show we ever did, you know, five to 10 to 15% of it would be about the Grizzlies. And now it's like, Sometimes we barely mention it. Sometimes, I mean, because they've been so exciting this year and they're legitimately one of the best teams in the NBA, we feel emboldened to um, speak about them even more. But yeah, it's somewhere around, not that frequent. Where we do, there's so much other story, so many other stories to talk about in the NBA that we, we a lot of times just fill the show with non-grizzly stuff. As people are coming into, I mean, you're going to pick up more audience here as the playoffs start. Uh, you are, and, and the league does, I mean, the people, people, a lot of people who are kind of casual fans really start tuning in now, what should they be paying attention to? What, what, what are like a couple of grizzly specific things and a couple of league specific things that they ought to be uh, paying attention to other than gloating over the uh, demise of the Los Angeles Lakers? Right. It's always fun um, to cheer <laughs> against the Lakers who have been eliminated from the postseason. I would say Grizzly specific things to watch. Just you have this um, blossoming star who might be one of the five or six, seven best players in the NBA. And he's spectacular. He plays above the rim. He's one of the top scorers in the paint for the season, despite being six foot one. Like no guard has done this basically. And uh, it's nonstop highlights. And so it's how far can he carry this Grizzlies team specifically in the postseason when the game slows down? The other twist is the Grizzlies this year are 21 and two when he doesn't play, which is this weird, like, what is that? I, you know, there's no real answer. There's, there's a mix of a lot of things. There is the schedule. Wasn't that hard. They played a lot of teams that were pretty bad during this stretch. Also, when John Morant doesn't play, the Grizzlies defense is much better. They get very, very good at defense. And maybe it's tougher for other teams to figure out where the offense is coming from because a very balanced attack when John Morant doesn't play. And maybe some part of that formula makes regular season wins easier when, when they're not 
like their backup Tyus Jones is going to lead the NBA in assist to turnover percentage for like the fourth or ratio for the fourth consecutive season. So if you play better defense, you never turn the basketball over. They're just stomping everyone they play uh, when, when Ja doesn't play. So like that's the Grizzlies exciting thing is how far can this young team, are they actually a title contender? Like how far can they go league wide? I think the most interesting thing is it's a wide open playoff race. It's, it's, it's a couple years now in a row where no one knows who's going to win the title. The Suns have been the most dominant regular season team. They made the finals last year. Are they going to come out of the West? The Eastern Conference is very wide open. The defending champs, the Milwaukee Bucks, have Giannis Antetokounmpo. They are awesome. But then there's also these other teams of like the Sixers have James Harden and Embiid. The Miami Heat are probably going to be the one seed in the East. There's just question marks about the Brooklyn Nets. Nets. The Nets. Yeah, the, the Nets have slid down into the play-in. The play-in is going to be amazing because these are like win or go home games that they've added to the NBA play-in or scenario. It's new based on the last couple seasons. So you're going to have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant basically in win or go home games, which are going to be wild. So I think the most interesting thing I think that will translate nationally to casual fans is just the fact that it's a wide open tournament and yeah. no one is sure who's going to win. Is is this the best? I know they're you know we're taping this on Wednesday, so in theory they could tie the record on Thursday night. What what is this the best Memphis Grizzlies team of all time? Like is that hyperbole? Is that recency biased? It's certainly the most exciting Memphis team of all time. I think it's definitely the best regular season Grizzlies team of all time. You could argue that the grit and grind era teams with Zach Randolph and Marcus Saul were built for the postseason. They were especially durable. They were great at defense. Their lack of offensive ability maybe caused them to lose some regular season games. When the postseason games slowed down, they were maybe they were made for it. Whether or not this Grizzlies attack, which is definitely the most fun, like you said, Grizzlies team of all time, the most dominant regular season team they've ever had. They have, uh, this is a stat I, I say constantly on my Grizzlies show, they have more 25-point wins this season <laughs> than they had in the seven years of grit and grind combined. The, the Grizzlies made the playoffs for seven straight years from 2010 to 2017, and over those seven years, I think they had 10 wins of at least 25 points, and the Grizzlies have 11 this season alone. So wow. they're, they're blowing teams out. Um, even if they don't get the franchise record for wins in their final three games, yes, this is the best regular season team ever. Whether or not this success translates to the playoff atmosphere, I don't know. I think so. There's a chance they lose in the first round, and even if so, I think you could make a reasonable argument that it's still the best team in Grizzlies franchise history. But I think it, I guess it'll remain to be seen to kind of skip out on your on your question. You know, I'm going to wait. I'm going to reserve my answer until after I see how the playoffs go. I think Titans fans would totally agree about their quarterback. Um, So <laughs> <laughs> let me just big picture here. Let's terrify some folks. Yeah. What are the odds that this group is they can't keep this group together? Because Memphis is not your traditional. Like, I, I think the NBA is fascinating from a market standpoint case study because we, we see that like one player can take a small quote unquote small market and turn them into a dominant market. Right. Like one guy can change that. But also it's there. There's this whole like, I want to play in Brooklyn. I want to play in L.A. Like the players have so much control. So what what do you have any thoughts about the future of this group being kept together or difficulties or hurdles around that? Braden, Braden, are you saying that in the summers in L.A. and Miami that the players are not all getting together going, man, we got to get to Memphis this year? Listen, Steve, quit talking shit about Memphis. OK, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, you know, as far as like keeping a team together, there's a couple of different aspects. There's the one aspect of like, does your star 
have visions of going to a bigger market. As far as that, I think you spoke to it that like John Morant has made this connection with the city. He's also, he's from South Carolina. He went to Murray state. He has like a small town history. And so I guess you could read into that, that he, he, he will be content here. He seems content here. So I have very little worry of Morant deciding he wants to play somewhere else. Also, I think the success on the court this year that helps keeps stars in place, you know, like, so I don't think Morant's leaving anytime soon. The other aspect of keeping teams together is just like the NBA salary cap system where it usually gets expensive to pay all your players, especially if you're experiencing success, like, they're eventually going to have to pay Dylan Brooks a lot more money if they want to keep him. And right now, John Moran's on a rookie scale deal, but he's going to get a max extension. So the question is, can you keep this core together? Weirdly, the team has been um, as consistent as you'll ever see in the NBA. They virtually had the exact same roster for the last three seasons. And that like yeah. never happens been weird, yeah. in, in, in any sport, I, I, I guess now. And so They've done an incredible job of retaining players on low salaries. They've drafted very, very well. They got Dylan Brooks with a late second round pick. Brandon Clark plays big minutes, was a second or uh, late first round pick. Desmond Bain, maybe the most improved player in the NBA this season. He was the 30th pick of the draft. So because of those guys' draft slots, they don't make very much money. But even when you're looking into the future and you're looking at like what's the next step they can take, if they can bring in another player, if they can package some of the current players they have to bring in someone else, even if they draft really well in the upcoming draft, how are they going to keep the team together? Are they going to go over the salary cap and pay the luxury tax? One yeah. of the hidden advantages that most people don't talk about is that the Grizzlies owner is one of the richest owners in the NBA. Robert Para, I think he's the third wealthiest owner in the NBA. So you would hope this guy, he, he's a owner that stays off the, the, um, he just kind of stays out of the public eye. Like he never speaks. He, he doesn't do media. He, he's just quietly in the background. Apparently he communicates with the GM every single day. And he's just given them kind of carte blanche to say, listen, I'll pay luxury tax when it matters. Now, lots of owners have said that before in the NBA <laughs> and haven't done it, but we have some hope that this guy seems competitive. He even played in the celebrity game at all-star weekend, like three years ago, he wanted to show people he could dunk. He famously challenged, challenged Tony Allen to a game of one-on-one, uh, years ago so like he's a basketball nut and he's incredibly wealthy so i think grizzlies fans are optimistic that he's gonna pay to keep this team together and if needed go into the luxury tax to keep them a contender keith what what is the first of all tell everybody all the different places they can get you all the different shows um and if you have any insight into if chris vernon's actually any different off the air than he is on the air that's you can tell us that you can give us that information too but just tell everybody what you got going on where they can find you sure. and what the future holds for you guys uh at uh, uh, let's let, let's start with chris vernon i can't say I'm, I'm a personal friend of chris vernon but i've been around him some uh we're friendly i would say chris vernon's on-air persona is like 10% of off-air. I would say <laughs> off-air Chris Vernon will blow your mind. It is, it's even more. It's even like he has some guardrails, I believe, put up for him for his on-air persona. And off-air, it's not there. So that's uh, tremendous. And again, I, I'm not, we're not buddies. So maybe I've just seen maybe he was putting on a performance for me. So I, I don't know. Um I, all the stuff I do. So fast break breakfast is, is our NBA show. It covers the entire league. We like to say it's just what you would get from friends talking at a bar. It is a obsessive NBA podcast, but we have like casual fan listeners. We have listeners who don't know much about the NBA just because they like our banter. So like that, that's kind of like the, uh, 
we have testimonials from people in Nashville who are like, you talk about things in Nashville and it's funny and I listen, even though I don't know half the names you guys mentioned when you talk about NBA players. So we want, <laughs> like, we're an informed NBA show, but we really value the entertainment aspect. Now, if you want to go next level, and if you're really obsessed with the Grizzlies, I have this Grizzly show called Grits and Grinds where I cover all the Grizzlies games. So if you're a hardcore Grizzlies fan, definitely check that out. As far as what the future holds, man, I have no idea. We're enjoying this partnership with Grind City Media. We want to keep growing our shows and just keep having fun watching basketball and talking about it. Keith, thank you so much, man. We appreciate it. And if you're not watching the Grizzlies, it is absolutely ridiculous. They are a fun team to watch. They have an absolute superstar. They're very good. I'm not sure what else you need to watch the Memphis Grizzlies. Keith, thank you so much, man. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That was Keith Parrish, the host, originator, creator of the podcast Fast Break Breakfast, award-winning podcast here in Nashville, but about national subject matter, the NBA it's driven by personality and guys that just wanted to talk about their favorite thing. And I, I think the model they've used is really interesting. I think the show and the product is really interesting. And as you can tell, if you've not listened to the show, you should. He is quite the personality. <laughs> so uh, really fun dude to hang out with and, and listen to. And, and, and that comes through in their product. Very, very authentic. I, I am I am fascinated when I, anytime now when a national kind of podcast breaks out of something that is just not, that doesn't have like the, the, the might of something like the ringer behind it or of, 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 you know, the Vox media guys or whatever, you know, sure. whatever podcast universe you tend to pull stuff from. And, and, and it's just, it's a, it's a great little success story. And, uh, you know, I, I tried to go to him a little bit with the Memphis stuff, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I do think that there is, I think there is something about Nashville fans that make them not naturally, you know, they, they should pick up that they should pick up a Grizzlies fan fandom pretty easily. And they don't. And, and, and I don't, I don't know what the, I don't know quite what it is beyond sort of like, you know, latent city rivalry stuff, or we, we're just not as exposed to Grizzly stuff as much. You know, if you go to Memphis, I mean, since they're the only game in town, I mean, it's, it, the grizzly stuff right now is immersive. It is everywhere, uh, and, and and it's not up here. And and in, in particular, when they get hot, they've been competing with the predators, yeah. uh, who have been on playoff runs here over the last you know a lot of the last well, decade. Well, let let me then let me just say the 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 thing out loud then because I don't think this matters. Let's say in the last fifteen or twenty years with maybe a younger generation. But how much does race play a role in all of this? With why is baseball coming to Na Why is baseball something you know old people in Williamson County want to have come to Nashville, and they don't want the NBA, whereas the younger folk want the NBA? Like, can we just say the thing out loud here? Like, what role does race play in all of this? I I think there's there I think there might be some of that, but I, but I, but I think that's more generation than anything else. I, I, the NBA to me is is a fascinating generational split. Um, I mean, I grew up an NBA fan, but I never, I, but I consumed the NBA in, in about kind of equal amounts as to the other things that I consumed because Nashville didn't have a team. So, you know, I grew up like a Celtics fan and then I grew right, up right. like a Dolphins fan and I grew up, you know, a Braves and Reds fan. And, and I just never had kind of the, the like the, the concentrated sort of piece of it that the way social media has, has allowed people to sample things and to become, 
particularly NBA fans, because the NBA has leaned so hard into it, uh, is is very much a generational thing. I mean, if, oh, I mean oh li- listen, go back and listen to Fitzy's conversation yeah, with us. I was going to say the Fitzy conversation on, on just rings in my head. Yeah, like he talks about on Snapchat how like NFL quarterbacks don't even matter on Snapchat for SportsCenter because all they people want is 13 to 25 year olds. They, they want to watch highlights of the NBA. And, and frankly, we talked about this with Keith, like they, it is far more conducive for a daily stream of highlight content because of how the league is structured and because the sport delivers what it delivers with this like very visceral highlight, powerful, intense moments every single night. And John Moran, of course, is doing this almost all the time. I, I just I do think that there is an older rivalry in this between the two cities that does involve a lot of those different weird socioeconomic things. But I, I don't think today, like I'm with Keith on this. I think people should be for ever since I watched, and I don't mean to bring up a bad memory, maybe for you, Steve, ever since I watched Dylan Windler and John Morant go head to head in an OVC championship game between Belmont and Murray state, I was in love with John Morant. Like you can't watch him and not fall in love with him. And I don't know why Nashville has not fallen in love with this particular Memphis team, because it represents everything about what is good about the game, the tempo, the defense, the star power. It's a Tennessee thing. Like, I just don't understand why people don't gravitate towards it. And I, again, I can't come up with anything other than old people in the counties outside of Nashville want baseball. And that doesn't seem to be the same people that would be watching John Morant on Instagram. (laughs) So um, I don't, again, there's there's a lot more to it, but. And something else that I want to pick up on that, that he was talking about. If, if you're, conception of the nba is uh james harden doing you know running off picks and and shooting threes until he gets 45 points in a game and it's the most boring thing you've ever watched the grizzlies are 180 degrees the opposite of that yes yeah. and and watching a watching a grizzlies game is so much more entertaining than the worst tropes of the nba which the playoffs can feed I mean, because the playoffs, the playoffs are, you know, a little bit slower. They're more defensive. They tend to rely on proven scores as opposed to distributing yep. the ball around yep. uh, much more than the regular season. It, it, does it remind you a little bit of like, and I'm watching, I'm, I'm watching winning time, of course, with the Lakers and like sort of the, the way that they changed the game with magic at the point to, to make this tempoed game. Like, doesn't it remind you a little bit of that style? I mean, they're not the same. There's no players on there like Kareem or magic or whatever, but like John Morant's arguably one of the most talented point guards on the planet right now. So it's just, it's a fun team. They like to run. They, they work really hard. They are all the good things that you would want out of a basketball team to root for. So. Right. Uh, and, and the, go and, watch and, the and the interesting thing about the, about the grit and grind uh, Grizzlies was, was how that community embraced them and kind of how the team kind of embraced them back. And it seems like there's a lot of that same, yep. that, that yep. same feeling going on with this current, uh, this current crop of the Grizzlies, which is, which is fun to watch. So go listen to both of Keith's podcasts, the fast break breakfast and grits and grind there. Um, or, or yeah, I think that's the other name, the, the Grizzlies only one. So go check out that pod as well, but uh, fast break breakfast, it is literally the show I listen to when I need to learn about when I want to learn about the NBA. Like it's the it's the product I go to because I know I'm going to get a little Nashville mixed in with a lot of really high level, thoughtful, fun conversation about the NBA. If you just want to dip your toe, as Keith said, 
you can be a casual fan and still get into it. So recommendations coming up in just a second. Uh, ratings for the TV market here. We do not have the national championship game yet, but final four, two of them at the top here, the, the Duke North Carolina game, obviously a huge number, a 13.7 here in Nashville. This of course, courtesy of Mark Binda, it's a big number news channel five for a, for a Saturday night final four game. Yes. It's a very large number. The championship game last year, Gonzaga and Baylor was about a 17. So I cannot wait to see, especially in the second half, what that, <laughs> what that uh, Kansas and North Carolina game did. Um, Kansas and Villanova, number two on the list, an 8.2. Here you go. Women's final four, South Carolina, UConn, a 3.2. And there's a lot of Lady Vols fans that now really, really hate South Carolina <laughs> almost <laughs> as much as UConn. Not as much as UConn, but almost. So that was the two teams that the state of Tennessee probably hates the most, South Carolina and UConn. NASCAR, Richmond 400, a 2.9, and the PGA final round in the Valero Texas Open, a 2.4. My guess is next week, Steve, when we do this episode and this part of the episode, it is going Multiple. to be – It will be four Masters and yep. one national championship game. That is my guess. Four Masters and a funeral if you're a uh, Carolina fan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I like that. I like that. All right, recommendations. Speaking of the Masters, I'll go ahead and get mine out of the way because I don't think this is a, a, a an easy – way out here, but I just wanted to reiterate some things because we just had a fantastic baseball rivalry with Tennessee and Vanderbilt at Hawkins, Hawkins field. They need to make that stadium bigger, by the way. Um, and, and I think that there I, are, I don't, know, I don't know how they could, I mean, it's in, I think they've used every available square inch in that, in that footprint. Well, so the rumors, you want some rumors, Steve, the rumors are, is that that particular road right there, I can't remember what the name of it is. The one that they close down all the time. Sure. May not Just need to be a may not need to be a road. <laughs> well, there you go. So that's how they could connect McGugan maybe to the athletics buildings and facilities. So anyway. Just floating that out there. Just just as an idea. Otherwise, you'd have to build a deck on top and it would be really weird. Point point is most things in life that are very hyped up do not live up to the expectation. Right. Whether you whether it's a, a rock star that you want to meet. Right. Like I really want to meet Jack White, I, I but I'm not really sure if I do because I'm a I'm assuming he'll be this weird like jerk that's going to like, you know, not give me the time of day and I'm going to be very disappointed. You know what I'm saying? Like most things don't live up to the hype. It did an egg race with Jack White a few years ago. How'd that go? Is he is he good with the eggs? Um, well, no, we won. So oh, nice. he was nice. he was not very good. But, I bet you he um, was. Is he a bad loser? I can see him being a really bad loser. He <laughs> was it was it was at a it was at a field day event that the scene uh, scene partici uh, staff participated in. Nice. And uh Jack is um, Jack's just as pasty and white in the sunshine <laughs> as you might think he is. Oh, man. Uh, true story. I saw him at the uh, Old Greer Stadium at a sounds game with like six women around him all holding umbrellas. Uh, it was a harem there. It was very uh, he's a weird that's dude. fantastic. He's a weird dude. I love him. I don't want to meet him, though, because I feel like that's going to crush the the image I have in my head of him as a fan. Right. So point is. Rarely do things that are extremely hyped up live up to the expectation. And I'm going to give you three sporting events that so over deliver that you need to try to go to off the heels of a baseball series this weekend and the masters this coming up this weekend, the masters, the college world series and the Indianapolis 500. I've been to super bowls, NBA finals, NHL Stanley cup final, which also was very, very good. I've been to final fours. I've been to playoff football games in college. I, I, I can't think of a sporting event that I haven't really done. And the three that over deliver, on all of the hype by leaps and bounds, my favorite three sporting events you'll, you'll ever go to in person 
are the Masters, the College World Series, and the Indianapolis 500. So if you can find a way to get to even just a practice round at, at Augusta, go to go to either weekend as a fan of a team or not for College World Series and go to the Indy 500. These are events all in the spring that are all truly, truly spectacular, and they way over deliver on any of your expectations. And there's very few things in life that I can guarantee you will over deliver. So go check out those three events. If you got a chance in person, they are worth the price of admission by miles. Good wreck. You know, I was good. I was going to recommend um, getting a ticket to opening day at uh, at the new stadium for for Nashville SC, but tickets were gone in a day, and the thing is sold out. So you know, hit the secondary market, folks, if you want to go. Twenty one thousand season tickets sold. They opened up, I believe, on Wednesday at ten a.m. and were gone in a day. So, yep. There you go. I, I, I'm willing to bet you that stadium is going to deliver. <laughs> That's that stadium's going to be rocking uh, here on these early ones. So, no, so my recommendation is um, is an author who's who's local here in town. Uh, her name is, uh, and this is not sports related. Uh, her name's Mary Laura Philpot. Uh, she, uh, some of you, if you've been uh, spending any time in um, Parnassus over the years, uh, you may have you may have you may have met her in there. She she used to. She's a. I don't know if she's still doing stuff for them or not. I guess I probably should have looked that up first. <laughs> oh well. Uh, don't but, worry about it. But uh, so so she's an she's a she's an author. She's an essayist, and she has a new collection of essay uh, essays out right now called Bomb Shelter, Love Time, and Other Explosives. Uh, and there is an excerpt from it that you can that you can read uh, in the Washington Post right now. Search for. Uh, search for uh, the headline is a son's seizure and a mother changed forever. And it is a, it, it is a, 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 a short story, short essay about uh, her, so, her son having seizures at like 4 AM oh, man. And, and kind of what happened. Um, I, I, I recommend it for a couple of different reasons, uh, but the, the, but for the most part, it is one of the best written things I've read in a while. Like, I don't think I took a breath the entire time I was reading this oh, thing. And man. it's and it's like, you know, it's like a, a, a couple thousand words long. It is it is so good. It is so I love writing that is propulsive, that just that just makes you, you know, hungry for the next sentence and the next paragraph. Man. And this thing is so freaking good. It is. It, it is. It is one of the best things I've read in a while. Uh, I have not yet read the read the book. Um, G- give everybody the name and the headline again. A son's seizure and a mother changed forever. Uh, Mary Laura Philpot is is her name. Uh, she's a great follow on Twitter, uh, by the way. Um, uh, if if you want to if you want to follow her, uh, good local writer. But this essay is just. It's just spectacular. I'm not going to give you any details from it. I don't want to spoil it. It is just, it is just some of the best writing I've, I've, I've come across in a while. As a, as a father of a, of a daughter who, who's five now and has grown out of it, but had two seizures, one sent her to the hospital. Um, she's fine. Everything was fine. Every, everybody was okay. Should I read this or not? <laughs> uh, no, you should. I, I, I was, um, I didn't know what it was about. And, 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 and so a bit of background, um, I have a, uh, I have a sister or had a sister who, uh, was epileptic would seize all the time, eventually had a set of seizures that was, was so, uh, large that it caused her to have a heart attack. This is, uh. this is a long time ago. I was a kid. 
Um, but, uh, and so I had a, that, that may be part of my visceral reaction to this, but, but the, but the story is less about, uh, about the actual act and sort of her reaction to it. And I think if you're a parent, uh, you're going to read this and have just, I, I, I think you're going to have the same reaction I had, which is you're not going to breathe the entire time you're reading this, but you won't be able to stop reading it. Man, uh, that, that, this is almost too intense for me. I can't decide. I'll have to go read some <laughs> some clips and see what I think, but go check it out. Uh, I'll give you another recommendation real quickly, a bonus rec here for a local artist, because I want you to pre-order her book. Uh, Marissa Moss, of course, from Rolling Stone has oh, the book, yeah. has the book it, her, her Country coming out, which is um, the title is Her Country, How the Women of Country Music Became the Success that They Were Supposed to Be. We're never supposed to be. Sorry. that's There might cute. still be a slot or two at the book signing and reading that she's doing at, at Parnassus here. Uh, I believe it's next week. Yeah, that book Yo, is yeah, it's gonna that be book big. is that book is something that I've been waiting on for a while. Marissa is yeah, she's brilliant. Some of the best people you'll find. She's a great writer. She's probably she's probably fought the 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 fight of yeah, um, yeah, yeah. women versus country radio here as much as, as as anybody here over the last few years. Recently wrote an amazing expose with Sturgill Simpson. Recently just did a even more recently did an, a, an amazing. Uh, piece on, with Miranda Lambert. So like just she's an amazing author. Go pre-order the book, Her Country, uh, Marissa Moss and all the other great recommendations we had today on the show. They were just amazing. Rec- we did a great job, Steve. I think you did a great good, job. I did a great good, job. Good, good job, Braden. Good it was job. a great good show. Job. It was a great show. Great, great show. Great show. <laughs> Almost as great as the food <laughs> and the parking at Jasper's, by the way. Uh, go to Jasper's, everybody. The, the happy hours are, spe- are, are fantastic. We've told you all about them. The parking is free. The food is amazing. It's a great place to go watch games. You got the game room, the grab and go market, all that great stuff. Where can people find you, Steve, outside of hanging out at Jasper's cheating on air hockey? You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at scavendish. Braden, where can people find you? Never going to let it go, Steve. At Braden Gall on the Twitters. Click all the buttons, please, for Full 40 Sports, whether it's YouTube, the social accounts, the, the podcast. We appreciate all of the support from you guys out there and for listening and hanging out with us. Special thanks to Keith Parrish for giving us some time as well. Enjoy the Masters, everybody. For Steve, I'm Braden. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the Full 40 Sports Network.